Welcome to Sound Prints Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prints is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. Welcome to Sound Prints for the week of November 12, 2023. We're skipping announcements this week so we can get right to our program. First, on page two, is the program and agenda for the upcoming KCB convention. You'll find virtual registration information, directions on how to listen to our convention stream on the Radio Storm, the internet radio station owned by KCB Life members Michael and Angie McCarty, the agenda for the entire convention, exhibitors participating in the convention, and much more. KCB will hold elections for five directors for the KCB board and will consider amendments to the KCB constitution at the business meeting being held on Saturday, November 18. Remember that in order to vote in the business meeting, you must be a 2023 or life member of KCB and you must register for the convention. Voting will be available whether you attend in person or on Zoom. The convention program and the Zoom link and dial-in information will be published by Wednesday, November 15. The Greater Louisville Council of the Blind Roundabout on Friday, November 10, celebrated Veterans Day with a special program. Our speaker was my son, David Mike Franklin, who is retired from the Air Force after 30 years of service. Mike was stationed overseas in Qatar for two years, and while there, he and his family visited several different countries in Europe and the Middle East. We are bringing you part of his talk on page 3, and we will try to include the rest of his presentation on a sound prints following the KCB convention. Sound prints is heard 12 times each week on ACB Media 1. Listen there by using the ACB Link app on your phone or on your Alexa device by asking her to open ACB Media and then choosing the number 1 when prompted. We are heard at 8 p.m. Sunday, 8 a.m. Monday, 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. Tuesday, 4 a.m. and 4 p.m. on Wednesday, 10 p.m. on Thursday, and 1 a.m., 10 a.m., and 1 p.m. on Friday. You can also listen on your Victor Reader stream by searching for sound prints in the Victor Stream database. Find sound prints in the list of podcasts in the ACB Link app. Just open ACB Link on your iPhone, choose Podcasts from the menu, and scroll down to find the sound prints. Listen anytime, 24 hours a day, on the KCB Information Line by calling 773-572-6318. Be sure to check the opening menu for available shows. We have begun posting some shows from the recent past in addition to the most recent program. For more information about Soundprints, to comment on a recent show or make a suggestion for a future topic, and to request a free subscription on CD playable on any standard CD player, call the Kentucky Council of the Blind at 502-895-4598. Page 2. Information and agenda for the upcoming Golden Jubilee Convention 
of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. KCB Golden Jubilee, 50 Years of Accomplishments, Kentucky Council of the Blind, 50th Annual Conference and Convention, November 17 to 19, 2023. Diamond Sponsor, Louisville Downtown Lions Club. Ruby Sponsor, Lula Dotson Legacy. Emerald Sponsor, Greater Louisville Council of the Blind. Opal Sponsor, Louisville East Lions Club. Amethyst Sponsors, Accessible Pharmacy Services for the Blind. Blind Girl Designs, JW.org. Cats Network, KCB Next Generation. Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision. Pony Ride Band. Tri-State Library Users. And Vanda Pharmaceuticals. Turquoise Sponsors, Guide Dog Users of Kentuckiana and Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired. Welcome to the 2023 Conference and Convention of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Our theme is KCB Golden Jubilee, 50 Years of Accomplishments, and you have just joined our weekend filled with programs, information, resources, food, and friends. It's in person at the Best Western Louisville East Inn and Suites, 9802 Bunsen Way in Louisville, virtual on Zoom webinar, and streamed on the Radio Storm. Hotel information. Room rates are $94 a night plus tax for up to four people in a room. Check-in time is 3 p.m. Check-out time is 11 a.m. For hotel-related questions, contact the Best Western at 502-499-0000. Guest rooms have microwaves, small refrigerators, coffee makers, and free coffee for your convenience. Free breakfast and use of the heated indoor swimming pool and fitness center are included with your night stay. Swimming pool. The heated pool and fitness center are on the first floor and are accessible using your room key. Pool hours are 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Swim at your own risk. No lifeguard on duty. Guide dogs are not permitted in the pool. Please do not wear swimwear in the hotel lobby or other public meeting areas. For guide dog users, please groom and pick up after your guide dog. Do not leave your dog unattended or bring your dog into public places without its harness. To find the designated relief area, exit the hotel near the door close to the breakfast area. Walk straight across the parking lot to the grassy area. A trash receptacle is located to the right of the door as you re-enter the hotel. Registration. The in-person convention is sold out. We have created a waiting list and we will contact you if a space becomes available. Virtual registrations on Zoom are still available. The cost is $20. For questions about registration or to add your name to the waiting list, call KCB at 502-895-4598. In-person registration. The registration desk at the convention is located across from the Stansted room on the first floor of the hotel. This is where you pick up your convention badge and program, become a sponsor, turn in door prizes, or join KCB or chapters. 
Registration is required whether you attend one event or the entire conference. Wear your badge at all times. It admits you to program sessions, exhibits, and meals. A special ribbon is added to your badge if you have purchased one of our meal packages, and you must be wearing it to be served meals and snacks. Virtual registration. Can't attend the convention in person? KCB is using Zoom webinar for our virtual convention programming. Join the calls from anywhere across the country using your computer, cell phone, or landline phone. Virtual registration is $20. Register virtually using your debit or credit card by calling KCB at 502-895-4598. You will receive the Zoom link and dial-in number by email. If you do not have email, call the KCB office after November 15 to obtain the Zoom information. Listening on the Internet The convention will be live-streamed on the Radio Storm, an Internet station owned by KCB Life members Michael and Angie McCarty. The most convenient way to listen to the Radio Storm is through any of the Amazon Echo or Google Home devices using the MyTuner Radio skill. When using this skill for the first time, ask your device to enable MyTuner Radio. You will be prompted for the name of the station. Simply say, play the radio storm, and you'll be connected. Whenever you want to listen in the future, just say, play the radio storm from MyTuner Radio, and you'll be connected. When on the go, The Radio Storm can be streamed through a variety of free apps on both Android and iOS platforms. Some of the apps include MyTuner Radio, TuneIn, and Ciro. Just search for The Radio Storm and add it to your presets or favorites for easier connecting in the future. Or just visit our website at www.theradiostorm.com and click the Listen link. There are a variety of streaming programs that can connect to our MP3 compatible stream. Winamp and the Windows Media Player are two of the more popular options. Voting and Elections KCB will elect five directors at the business meeting on Saturday, November 18. KCB members who register are eligible to vote. In-person members will have a dot on their badges. Zoom voting instructions will be provided at the meeting. Door prizes. Win, win, win. It's not too late to register and be eligible to win door prizes or to donate a door prize. If you are bringing door prizes to the convention, drop them off at the registration desk. Remember that door prizes must be in new or unused condition. All donors will be acknowledged when their prize is awarded, as well as in our newsletter, on our Facebook page and website, and on Soundprints, our weekly audio magazine. For more information, call us at 502-895-4598. Convention Stipends KCB is offering a $100 stipend to assist members 
from outside the metro Louisville area who need help with travel expenses. The Greater Louisville Council of the Blind is offering a $25 stipend for members who live in the metro Louisville area. To be eligible for a stipend, you must be a 2023 or life member of KCB, and you must attend both days of the convention. More information about stipends is available at the registration desk or by calling KCB at 502-895-4598. Conference Sponsors Show support for the Kentucky Council of the Blind by being a 2023 convention sponsor. All sponsors will be recognized during the weekend, and the in-person sponsors will have a special ribbon on their convention badges. Sponsor levels are Jade, $15, Amber, $25, Turquoise, $50, Amethyst, $100, Opal, $200, Emerald, $300, Ruby, $1,000, and Diamond, $1,500. Conference schedule. Program sessions and meals will be in the Stansted Room. Exhibits are in the East Midlands room next to Stansted. The registration desk is across from the Stansted room. Friday, November 17, 10.30 a.m. registration opens. 12 noon, celebration lunch. 12.30 p.m., welcome and announcements. Matthew Selm, President, Kentucky Council of the Blind, Stansted room. 12.45 p.m., exhibits open. East Midlands Room, 12.45 p.m., 2023 Accomplishments at OVR. Helga Gilbert, Division Director, Kentucky Blind Services, Frankfurt. Gay Panel, IL-IOB, Program Manager, Bowling Green. Heidi Kesterson, Facility Administrator, Charles W. McDowell Center, Louisville. 2 p.m. Break. 2.15 p.m., Let's Get Some Sleep. Magdalena Felton, Nurse Educator, Vanda Pharmaceuticals, Washington, D.C. 2.30 p.m., Make a Fashion Statement. Trisha Wechter, Blind Girl Designs, Houston, Texas, slash New York, New York. 2.45 p.m., Mobility, Reading, Note-Taking, and Other Technology Solutions. Brian Gomer, Lab Computers. 3.05 p.m., A Technology Resource, Alexandra Ingram, Director, CATS Network Coordinating Center, Florence. 3.30 p.m., Break. 3.45 p.m., What's Happening at BCB? Teresa Thomas, Executive Director, Bluegrass Council of the Blind, Lexington. 4 p.m., Braille, Large Print, and E-Readers, News from the Library. Barbara Penigor, Branch Manager, Library Collections and Circulation, Kentucky Department of Libraries and Archives, and Kentucky Regional Librarian, National Library Service, Frankfurt. 4.30 p.m., Managing Your Medications the Accessible Way. Andy Burstein, Co-Founder and CEO, Accessible Pharmacy Services for the Blind, Seasterville, Trevos, Pennsylvania. 5.45 p.m., Exhibits Close. 
6 p.m. James F. Shaw Golden Jubilee Banquet, 7 p.m. Welcome, Matthew Selm, President, Kentucky Council of the Blind. The Star Spangled Banner, Bradley Mann, KCB Life Member. Pledge of Allegiance, Benjamin Wright, Director, KCB Board, Henderson. Invocation, Debbie Green, Director, KCB Board, Elizabethtown. My Old Kentucky Home, Bradley Mann, KCB Life Member. The ACB KCB Golden Thread, Deb Cook-Lewis, President, American Council of the Blind, Clarkston, Washington. Presentation of James Carl Dotson Award, Joey Couch, Chair, KCB Awards Committee. 2023 Convention Sponsors and 2023 New Life Member Recognitions. Carla Rushevel, Treasurer. Saturday, November 18. 8 a.m. Registration opens across from Stansted Room. 9 a.m. Exhibits open East Midlands Room. 9 a.m. Welcome and Announcements. 9.05 a.m. Braille and Large Print Resources from LBW. Brooke Pernis, Lutheran Braille Workers. 9.30 a.m. Monarch, Mantis, Juno, and more. Joe Hodge, Software Quality Assurance Analyst, American Printing House. 10 a.m. A Braille Transcription Resource, Tanya Drew, Essentially Braille, Waldron, Indiana. 10.15 a.m. Break. 10.30 a.m. Telling Our Stories, Tips and Tools for the Journey. Trisha Wechter, Owner, Blind Girl Designs. Debbie Green, M.A., Licensed Professional Clinical Counselor. And Mary T. Terry Turlock, Ph.D., Licensed Counseling Psychologist. 12 noon, Leadership Lunch. 1 p.m., Where Does the Gold Go? ACB in Action. Deb Cook-Lewis, President, American Council of the Blind, Clarkston, Washington. 1.30 p.m., Coping, Not Moping, with Low Vision. Restoria Ross Jackson, Director, KCB Board, and Patty Cox, Director, KCB Board and President, Council of Citizens with Low Vision. 2 p.m. Learning and Fun in the ACB Community. Natalie Couch, Membership Services Administrative Assistant, American Council of the Blind. 2.15 p.m. Break. 2.30 p.m. Exhibits Close. 2.30 p.m. KCB Business Meeting. Reports, Elections, and Constitutional Amendments. Matthew Selm, KCB President. 6 p.m. Achieving Excellence Dinner. 7 p.m. Welcome, Matthew Selm, KCB President. America the Beautiful, Bradley Mann, KCB Life Member. Pledge of Allegiance, Eldon Kaiser, South Central Kentucky Council of the Blind, Chapter Representative, Cave City. Invocation, Reverend Dave Wildy, Vice President, Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision. We Gather Together, Bradley Mann, KCB Life Member. Opening the Gold Time Capsule, Carla Rushable, 
KCB Treasurer. Chapter Reports from the Presidents Eastern Kentucky Council of the Blind Ronnie Patrick, Lost Creek Greater Louisville Council of the Blind Natalie Couch, Louisville Northern Kentucky Council of the Blind Jerry Slusher, Covington South Central Kentucky Council of the Blind Richard Lindsay, Bowling Green Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired Daniel Scott Heads, Owensboro Guide Dog Users of Kentuckiana, Terry Turlaw, Louisville. Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision, Debbie Dethridge, Louisville. KCB Next Generation, Joey Couch, Louisville. Tri-State Library Users, Natalie Couch, Louisville. Sponsor and Life Member Recognitions, Carla Rushevel, KCB Treasurer. Door Prize Drawings. Sunday, November 19, 9 a.m., Morning Glory Memorial Service, facilitated by Deanna Scoggins, Treasurer, Greater Louisville Council of the Blind. Stansted Room and Zoom only. No stream. 2023 Exhibitors, Accessible Pharmacy Services for the Blind, Virtual. American Printing House for the Blind, Saturday. Blind Girl Designs, Friday and Saturday. Bluegrass Council of the Blind, Saturday. Essentially Braille and Not Enough Kitchen, Saturday. JW.org, Friday and Saturday. Cats Network, Friday. Kentucky OVR and Blind Services, Friday. Lab Computers, Friday. Sense with Chastity, Friday and Saturday. Vanda Pharmaceuticals, Friday. Note, additional information, including convention sponsors, will be posted on the KCB News and Events list in a couple of days. You can also obtain a complete copy of the program from the KCB Events list or pick one up at the convention. Page 3. Um, glad everybody's here. Welcome to Roundabout. Especially welcome to those who are from out of state. Honey, we're glad you're here. That means we're coast to coast because Connie's here and she's in California. I want to open by um, introducing our speaker who is, he's David at home. He's Mike here. He's my son, Patty's brother. And he is uh, retired from the Air Force. He was in the military for 30 years, and um, I, I asked him to come, the, the committee uh, asked him to, to come and just tell us some stories about his time uh, in the Middle East. Uh, with that, Mike, I'm going to turn it over to you. Um, Mike is uh, it's Mike Franklin. He lives in Beaver Creek, Ohio now, and you all are probably tired of hearing about um, his kids in the band, and um, you know, and we do have to watch Ohio State now some. So, you know, we won't have to worry about any of that tonight. But just uh, let's, we'll, we'll hear veteran stuff. So, Mike, the time is yours. All right, well, since you mentioned Ohio State, I've got to say go Cards. It was a bad win last night, but it was good to win. Um, well, that's right, and you've got yeah. some card fans on here, too. So. Oh, good. <laughs> Good. So I 
Vegas would just start where, um, so we went over there, uh, in 2015, right? Yeah. 2015. Um, like what was said, we, it was, uh, myself, my wife, Shana, two kids at the time. They were young, elementary and middle school. And then, uh, so we got there in July, uh, which is the, uh, probably the hottest month, um, around 120-ish daily. Wow. Yeah, went to uh, Qatar, went to Qatar. Um, so, you know, the little country that you hear about in the news these days that like to, um, uh, they have all different nations represented in, in Qatar, but it's a small island, not island nation. It's a peninsula right next to Saudi Arabia, just north of the United Arab Emirates, um, and south of Kuwait to Bahrain. It peninsula out into the Persian Gulf, so across the Gulf is Iran. So we get there, nice house. The Air Force says this is where you're going to live. No, no option about it. It was a uh, a pretty adequate, I don't know, four or 5,000 square foot house. Um, you managed to fit in? Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it was furnished. We could only take uh, your limited, usually on military moves, you can take, you know, all your household goods. But going overseas, we were limited to that location. We were limited. Not everybody that goes over there. There's about 25,000 people uh, stationed in uh, at IUD, which is the air base, this, the uh, Qatari air base. In Qatar, that's where all, that's where I was stationed. About twenty five thousand people there. Most of them are deployed, um, so they're there without their families. They live on base and dorms and things like that. There were about at that time that we were there, uh, hovered around thirty Air Force families that were there, um, and we all lived in two different what we called compounds. The one that we lived in had about two hundred homes. People from all over the world uh, lived in there. Um, most people that lived in there because the houses were so big and either companies or governments were paying for them. They're usually, you know, a lot of families. So there were kids just all over the place. Um, and it was, uh, you know, a gated area. Um, not that, um, weren't really too, but you know, a lot of people when we, when we got, uh, you know, noticed that we were going to move over there or opted, opted to move over there. A lot of people were like, Oh, is it going to be dangerous? Well, no. Um, it's a lot safer in Qatar than it is in Louisville. Don't really have to worry about, you know, a bunch of threats. The the, the worst threat that you're going to have is some person driving, you know, 120 miles an hour down the road and you don't get out of the way. So, but we get there, um, everything's good. You know, like the compound, the family gets there and, you know, the first day kids come knocking at the door, you know, hey, you're the new family and you got kids. Can they come out and play? Oh, sure, they can come out and play. Um, hey, take some bottled water with you, because like I said, it was about 100 and something degrees. Um, in July, though, it's not as bad uh, a heat, because it's, um, even though it's a peninsula, around August, the winds change, and they start coming off the Persian Gulf. So that's when you start getting your high humidity. So then in August, it's, you know, it cools down to like 110, but then you've got 95% humidity with no rain. So um, it stays stays pretty hot. 
You know, so yeah, so we, you know, we get in there, uh, some things that were different were schools. Uh, there is no, you know, a lot of, uh, um, a lot of overseas locations where we have military people stationed. There's a, uh, a Department of Defense. Oh, I forget what the actual name of it is, but the Dodd School, Department of Defense School, I guess is what it's called, um, where the, the the government you know hires teachers and administrators and all that kind of stuff. None of that in Qatar, so we had to uh, apply for the kids to go to. Um, we applied to the American School of Doha. That's where most of the embassy children go to. Uh, and most of the military families that are over there, their kids go to that school. Um, it's a K through 12. It's a huge, it's got its own campus, you know, K through 12 on one campus. Uh, I'm going to say it's kind of like a small, well, like a community college, um, you know, because you got all these different buildings, you know, lower elementary, elementary, middle school, and then a couple high school buildings. They've got their own soccer field, their own baseball fields. Um, their own swimming pools, plural, one indoor, one outdoor. Um, and so pretty good size campus, um, for the, for the school. Kids start there. It's great. Um, one thing that we really enjoyed, uh, was the bus service for the kids, much different. Um, the, the, the buses came to the compound, um, picked the, picked the kids up at the, the clubhouse of the compound and, um, they took them to school. And then at the end of school, there was a bus that came home right away. Then there was another bus that left an hour later and another bus that left again an hour later. So, you know, if the kids had something after school or something like that, they could still have transportation home and you didn't have to worry about going out and get them. Um, the compound itself was, was pretty interesting. Um, like I said, they're all pretty good sized homes. We weren't lucky enough to get the house, any of the houses with its own private pool in the back. Some Air Force families did, but there was a, a pool. So the compact, like I said, about 200 homes and the clubhouse and the clubhouse had like a, uh, uh the kids called it a game room. It had like a ping pong table and some other stuff. Kids would go play in there. Um, it had a, a gym that you could work out in, like I said, a pool and then a hot tub. It also had a uh, restaurant um, that would um, actually make pretty good food, um, pretty good cheap food. Um, and then it also had a, we had like a, we called the corner store. It was in the corner of the compound. Uh, but it was a little tiny store that had, you know, just your basics, you know, milk and sugar. And the kids liked it because it had ice cream and all that kind of stuff. Um, one thing about the restaurant and the corner store is you could call them and tell them what you needed and they would bring it over to your, to your house, uh, for you. So, and this is well before, um, you know, well before COVID, well before, you know, the U S I don't know, I guess Uber Eats was coming around about that time. Um, but over in the middle East, it's, it's said, especially in Qatar, you can get anything delivered. Even in 2015, you could call and get, McDonald's delivered, Burger King, whatever you wanted, they would deliver it. Um, the big reason that they have enough people to deliver stuff for you is because they are, they, they get a lot of uh, other country nationals that come and work. Most Qataris, if they work, they work within the government. Um, only about a third of the population of the people that live in uh, the country of Qatar are actually Qataris. Everybody else um, 
and and uh, the workers, uh, and that includes the you know the folks they bring in. You know, low low skilled, low uh, income uh, workers from like the Sudan or uh, Indonesia or Malaysia or stuff like that. Um, you know, they were getting ready for the World Cup um, at that time, and World Cup twenty twenty three, I think, it was this year, the last year. Um, and they, um, you know, there was a lot of news about, you know, their human rights and, and all that kind of stuff. And it's all stems from the, the low label labor workforce that they bring in from other countries that most of the Middle East does. Um, but if you talk to some of those folks, they're okay with that. Uh, I talked to a, they said Uber, uh, talked to a guy who was driving Uber. He had been there for 13 years driving a taxi and, uh, he uh, uh, got with a guy who uh, over there was a little bit different because um, the drivers aren't going to own the cars. They're going to work for somebody. So it's kind of like still a taxi service. But he said the, the, the person he was working for with Uber who actually owned the cars, um, you know, he made a lot more money and stuff like that. I can't remember where he was from, but it was somewhere where farming, he said, he said that he made basically more than his entire family made farming. Um, back where he was from, and so you know that was his his way of insurance. Family was was good. Was he you know went to a different country to work? Like I said, been there thirteen years at the time, um, and you know would go home a couple times a year, and um, you know so that that kind of goes to the people from different places in the world have to make different decisions, right, for their to, for their livelihood and, and how they live and all that kind of stuff. So. Um, but that's a big, big part of the workforce there. And that's, that's why you'd have a lot of people that could, um, and they have, but, but Qatar actually hired a lot of people from other countries for, you know, the low skilled, low income, um, wages. One of the funny things was you, there were always guys out working, um, literally just like sweeping the sidewalks and the streets with like push brooms that weren't like, I don't know, they were maybe like a foot and a half wide. But they're always just out cleaning, and I'm like, well, there's there's nothing but sand over here. Um, but they're just pushing, they're just pushing dirt. But they, they're getting paid to push dirt, um, you know. And just yeah, it's, it was weird. You know, everybody's got to buy groceries, so you know, you got to figure out how to, where the grocery store is for one, um, and then um, where things are in the grocery store, right? And so then you find your your favorite uh, product. And you're like, this is exactly this is where it is. So you go back the next week to get it, and it's gone. There's not even a spot on the shelf like it's ever been there. Um, so we learned that if you if you get if you find something that you you really want, you know, buy a little extra because it might not be there for a while. Most of the stores, most of the food product is brought in from Europe. Um, so it's a uh, um, uh, you know, more, more European stuff. If you got, if you really wanted us type products, you were going to pay for it, you know, cause it's coming all the way from the U S on a boat as opposed to from Europe or Turkey or, you know, from the, the far East, um, Asia, Eastern Asia. Um, so the, the way, the way that we usually got most, uh, us type products, I like my Cheerios and lucky charms. So Amazon Prime uh, was was a was a great area, uh, a great way to get you know U.S. type stuff. 
Um, you know, we always took the chance of maybe something breaking. Uh, remember we ordered, I forgot what it was. It was in a jar, you know, it might break cause it's gonna, it's got, it's, it's got to go to the, you know, from, from military overseas. We didn't get it shipped to a, our, our home because that would be international shipping and that's not free on prime, but Amazon will ship to what's called an APO, which is, a. um, Yep, I forgot what APO stands for. Uh, Armed Forces Post Office, I think. Uh, but there's one that's AE, and that's the uh, America's Europe, and then there's, I forget what the Pacific is. But so basically, anything that was being shipped to us, it got shipped to an APO, which means it ended up in New York. And then from New York, it got onto a military aircraft um, and then was then showed up on IED Air Base via military aircraft and then uh, the address was my office address, so I get everything at the office and, you know, boxes and boxes and stuff at the office. Um, Lucky charms at your office? Ooh. Yes, yes. Uh, Sean would actually order a bunch of cereal at one time, and we it was literally a huge Amazon Prime box that came in with nothing but cereal. <laughs> and then there was the... Uh, um, what we called, because uh, Qataris being a, being a Muslim country, they don't allow uh, pork products, and they don't allow alcohol. Well, I can't say they don't allow alcohol. Um, they <laughs> they don't openly. Uh, I can't say that. They Muslims don't drink and don't don't eat pork. Okay, so. Um, and there's a different spectrum. You're talking about the Middle East, you know, on, on, a, on, on a spectrum. You've got folks, countries like Saudi Arabia, that um, you won't find um, any in, in, any place in Saudi Arabia or Kuwait. You won't find those. You won't find any alcohol like at the hotels and stuff like that. Then you get to a place like um, Qatar that allows it in certain hotels in certain areas of the city, certain zones they call it. Um, and then you've got uh, UAE, uh, especially in Dubai. Um, that's like New York City. You can go party anywhere you want to. And then Bahrain, um, which is a small, you know, uh, island nation. Um, it is a. Um, it's kind of it's it's all the way on that other end of the spectrum than Saudi Arabia. Um, where a lot of people in that area might go to to um, indulge themselves in things that would be sinful elsewhere. Um, but uh, but in Qatar, um, you know, we like our our bacon and we like our sausage um, and our ham and anything else that comes out of a pig. So um, and maybe some alcohol every now and then. So they had what was called the sin store. Um, it was only people that were ex expats, um, you know, people that not from the country. Um, and you had to apply and you actually had to get your boss to certify what your income was. Cause they didn't want, you know, these people that they were, you know, the workers from other countries that were not, um, Muslims could apply, but they had to get their boss to certify how much money they made. And then you were limited to what you could spend, um, on alcohol at the sin store because they didn't want people, you know, if somebody's going to be, if somebody's going to come over and make a bunch of money that supposedly they send back to their families, 
they don't want them drinking it all up. Um, wow. yeah. But, you know, they, at, they're at the limiting time, your sin. <laughs> they're limiting the sin, yes. At the, at the time, um, a pound of bacon was like eight bucks, which I know that's not, you know, not really expensive these days, uh, but um, it was expensive then. Um, for anybody who might drink bourbon, a fifth of Jim Beam was 42 U.S. dollars. Oh, wow. Which is expensive. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah. But, and the, the, the funny part is all that stuff comes, comes out of Europe as well. So, you know, when you get your pork product and stuff like that, it's, it's European stuff. So when you say you want breakfast sausage, well, they don't. Breakfast sausage in Europe is not like Tennessee Pride breakfast sausage. It's more like a, um, like a, a hot dog or a Polish sausage, right? It's it's something that sausage meat that's in a skin. Um, that's their breakfast sausage, and uh, more like a bratwurst type thing. Um, but they did sell ground pork. Um, so Shauna um, through a lot of through trial and error. Um, Found the right spices to then make uh, as close as you're going to get to Tennessee Brad breakfast sausage, <laughs> and um, so that was good. And you know, with sausage, you got to have homemade biscuits, you know, and gravy. Um, but her biscuits were um, she liked making buttermilk biscuits. Well, they don't. They, we found out they don't sell buttermilk. But one day, luckily, one day I made a mistake. Went to the store. I was supposed to pick up some milk. I get home, a couple gallons of milk in the fridge that I bought. David goes to get a drink of it. He pours him a glass of milk. And he's like, ooh, this, this is no good. I'm like, I just bought it from the store. It's good. He's like, well, you try it. I'm like, hey, Shana. Because um, I wasn't going to try it. But um, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't milk. All I knew was the, what color lid um, to pick up. Well, I picked up the wrong color lid stuff. Um, it was the right color lid but the wrong stuff. I actually got what was called a Laban, and that is a, um, like, almost liquid yogurt. Um, so just think about, think about yogurt that's almost, it can pour out of a gallon jug just like milk does. Um, wow. but it's, a little, it's a little thicker. Um, so, so that mistake, though, sounds like, oh, this is almost like buttermilk. So then she started using that for making biscuits. So, um, so you had to find little things and there was, there was, uh, you know, you go to the grocery store and you're looking for sour cream. Well, things are marked in Arabic, uh, sometimes in English. Um, sometimes it's the English is somebody else's guessing of what the translation should be. Um, <laughs> so a lot of times you would just look up, look up different things, you know, on your phone while you're shopping to make sure it is what it's supposed to be. And then if I could fast forward real quick to uh, uh, talking about food stuff, uh, before we left, a couple months before we left, uh, a lot of the other Middle Eastern countries had an embargo against Qatar, you know, political things. So they shut down the borders and most of the dairy came from, um, most dairy and, and everything came through Saudi Arabia or from the Emirati port and they both. Saudi shut their borders down, wouldn't let anything come through. So Qatar started to import all, all their dairy stuff from Turkey. Well, Turkish is a totally different language than 
Arabic. And they're both totally different than English. So then once I started bringing in Turkish product, we then had to figure out what, you know, milk was yeah. in Turkish um, to make sure that we got the right thing and stuff like that. So um, that was all pretty interesting. But I will say um, some of the more interesting stuff or facts that things that most people don't think of uh, because we are so because we were so close to Iran. Um, I'm sure you've heard about you know Patriot missile batteries. You know those are the um, anti air anti air um, artillery. Uh, the big they're the big missiles that shoot down like uh, incoming missiles and stuff like that. So probably the only place. Uh, one of the only places where you, know, you can take your family and take them on the base, and then right there, there's an active there's an active Patriot battery there. Um, it's an army air defense artillery out of the army. Um, so you know, Patriot batteries sitting there, um, pointed, of course, in the direction of Iran, um, just in case they decide to they wanted to to shoot something from Iran. Yeah. Uh, the school, so the the school that the kids went to um, was you know a coed a coed. Uh, school, they had forty something nationalities represented through the school pop the oh, wow. the uh, student population and seventy two different nationalities through the student population plus the the staff and instructors. Um, wow. So it was a pretty big thing. And a funny story, funny story about that. So David, um, so while we were over there, David, uh, right before we went over there, David had uh, finished up Weeblos in the scouting program. And so we got there and we found a scout troop um, so he could, he could do scouts. They met at the American School of Doha at the, the school there. Lindsay also did Girl Scouts while we were there. They didn't allow girls in scout, Boy Scouts yet. With David, he was doing a, a Boy Scout uh, merit badge. And the merit badge counselor taught at one of the universities. So I took him up there and he actually taught at one of the universities that were a men's only university. So in, most of the university in Qatar you would find where uh, there was a men's side and then a women's side. So they did have segregated um, university study programs. Um, but the funny part is we're st- we get there a little early because you leave early because you never know about traffic because it's always crazy. Um, but we get there early and they would, you know, the pictures are up on the, the wall and they was like, oh, who's that? I'm like, well, that's the Emir of Qatar. Um, you know, they had a picture up in the foyer of this building we were waiting in. And you had the name on there, you know, whatever, blah, 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 Ben Alfani. And David's like, well, there's people in my school, in my class that has that last name. Um, so the, you know, the ruling family, uh, the, the Emir and his family, which is a big family, some of their family went to the same school that David Lindsay went to. Um, so it was the best school, like the, the best school there in Qatar. There were others that were um, a school called Compass. I think they were more of a, they were a British curriculum. Um, but mo- everybody tried to get their, their kids into ASD. Um, speaking of travel, like I said, I traveled to, so personally for, for work, um, I went to, uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, Kuwait, um, the, uh, uh, Abu Dhabi, uh, which is part of the United Arab Emirates, uh, not Dubai, but it's the, the Emirates that's just north of that. Um, went to Jordan and went to Egypt for all work. Um, and, and then after I would go somewhere, I'd be like, oh, man, this is a great place. Uh, so 
as a family, uh, you know, I got to take leave, of course, and we would travel. Um, as a family, we went to um, Egypt, UAE, Dubai, uh, United Emirates, and uh, Oman, uh, which is just south of before Oman is a country just south of United Arab Emirates. And then we went to uh, Jordan. We went to Israel. And I think that's it. Tell us about that Jordan-Israel um, tour where you all went to visit and how you got from one country to the other who I guess they don't specifically have... Um, yeah, I mean, you can't just go and go between, you know, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so so, so it's real, uh, you know, uh, that part of the, the world's a little bit in the news these days. Um, and you, you it, it's an interesting dynamic, you know, because back in, uh, I forget the, the timeline, but, you know, you had the Six-Day War where Israel and Jordan fought and, you know, Jordan got pushed back and that's, that's part of the contested area these days and all that kind of stuff. But so you would think there wouldn't be this good relationship. Well, um, contrary to what most people believe, um, there is a good relationship between Jordan and Israel because Jordan and Israel, they, Jordan's main economy is, is, uh, potatoes and tourism. Um, so if you think about Jordan, you've got the Dead Sea, you've got the, uh, the river in which Jesus is baptized. You've got Petra, uh, one of the seven wonders of the world. You've got, uh, uh, there's an area down south that I can't remember the name of it, but it's like this big desert area. Um, you know, a lot of the historical, you know, biblical history uh, type stuff over there. So, And then, of, of course, Amman, the capital of, of Jordan, is just, you know, sites in itself. Um, and then you've got other historical, you know, sites throughout the country. So they, they, a lot of tourism. Well, there's also a lot of tourism in, in Israel and, you know, Jordan and Israel right there is, you know, Bethlehem and Jerusalem and, and all that. That's just right across the, right across the river. Um, from that cuts near Jordan and Israel. Um, that's the border now between Jordan and Israel. Well, if you in your passport, um, have a, a stamp saying that you entered or exited Israel, um, there are some Middle Eastern um, and other Asian countries that will not allow you entry into their country because the simple fact that you went to Israel. Oh wow! Um, so, so you know that that's a big concern with people. You can only have one passport, or the U.S. only will only issue one passport. Um, so, with Jordan and Israel understanding that, um, and uh, so when you um, leave, so we, we we had to show up at a basically at a terminal. Uh, we had like a tour guide person over in, in Jordan, so they drove us to this this bus terminal. You then process there um, to leave Jordan, and they actually just have a little piece of paper and they stamp this piece of paper and then they put it in your passport. So they don't really stamp your passport. That says you're leaving across the it's the King Hussein Bridge crossing. So then you get on a bus and you drive across the bridge and then you get off over in Israel at this other terminal and then they stamp that same piece of paper. Um, they don't even stamp your passport because they know uh, that you're probably going to go back to Jordan so that you don't have that stamp in your, in your passport. Um, so you go to Israel. 
Right. <laughs> so yeah. um, now there's there's a record of you you paying your entry fee. Don't every country you go to you must pay a fee. Um, visa, whatever they want to call it, the tourist fee. Every every country's got a fee. Um. So, but. It, it was a funny thing at the time. It's probably still funny if it happened today, just different things happening in the world, right? But we get to we get over to Israel. You know, everybody has their their conceptions about their of of Israel and how people treat each other in Israel and all that kind of stuff, right? You always hear about you know up in the Gulan Heights, you know the people in the West Bank, you know more shelling the. Israel, Israel area and Israel shelling back, you know, all, fighting all the time, right? Of course, you got it down the south right now, a war going on. But when we went over there in 2017, 16, 17, uh, there was no war. Um, but we get over there and we had set up with a, with a tour guide. Um, so we were going to have, we knew we were having a tour guide, didn't know we were having a driver, but um, so finally found the tour guide. And we get in and she speaks pretty good English. She said the driver really doesn't speak very good English, but, um, and she was explaining that she was Jewish and he was Muslim. And I, I tried to joke around with people and I'm like, ah, aren't you all supposed to be like, not liking each other? And she's like, no, 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 we're, they're all good. Um, and then she, you know, she explains and, and we saw it, uh, you know, Muslims and Jews and Christians and, you know, everybody else just, you know, living their lives. We stayed in, in uh, uh, Jerusalem. Um, you know, everybody's just living their life and, and, and doing their thing. Uh, very interesting when you go to the, you know, you heard of the, the Wailing Wall. Um, it's the Wall of Prayer, um, that people go to. That's also at the same site of the, uh, Stages of the Cross, um, that, that, that said that Jesus, Jesus walked. Um, that is also at the same site as the large Grand Mosque that is right there in, uh, Jerusalem. Hence, all of those things. Uh, culminate into the 2,000-year debate of, um, you know, who who should and shouldn't uh, be. But but they were, at that point, they were all getting along pretty well. Um, and uh, one thing I didn't know, uh, you know, because we all have our own, you know, we just hear things on the news, right? Um, so you see that everybody's just, just doing their thing, everybody's just living, and... Um, we're on a tour. The tour guide, she's taking us up. You know, actually, it's the uh, uh, the, the path that, you know, I said that Jesus walked and all that kind of stuff. And we get to this one point, there's some stairs that go up. And she goes, well, that's where the mosque is up there. She goes, but it's not time. And even if it was time, you'd have to go around to this other entrance. And she said, let me just ask the, the police if it's okay if you walk up the steps just to look at it. Because it's very beautiful. It's a, it's a mosaic, you know, put tile. It's just. You know, this whole, um, a lot of the moths are very um, artsy. Um, this this one definitely is. Um, so she asked the police, you know, hey, can they just, you know, go up the steps and just look and stuff like that. And so we did. And then, then I asked her, like, well, how would, they, how would they know if we were a Muslim? And, um, you know, because Muslims are just going that, through that way to the mosque. And she said, well, they would ask you to, to recite a part of the Quran. And I was like, how do they know, how do they know the Quran? And she's like, because they're Muslim. 
If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Sound Prints. Have a great week, everybody.